Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The RNC is out of their head. And the only person who seems to be making any sense is Donald Trump. Now that, for a lot of people, is a very strange statement. Certainly Trump is making more sense than the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, who, after getting like embarrassed by Tucker Carlson who went to go give a speech and 8,000 people show up he's engaged in commentaries like this my very first call this year was with Volodymyr Zelensky who wanted to know that Canada still stood with him that Canadians still stood with him and I told him yes we do the Canadian government and most of the parties in the house will continue to stand with him but Pierre Polyev and his conservatives chose to vote against support for Ukraine calling it a faraway foreign land to appease Putin apologists like Tucker Carlson and those who enable him. While he does that, we have people like Yvonne Baker. We don't care who you think you have people like. Are they also friends who do blackface? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. I think Tucker's wrong about Ukraine. Therefore, Putin apologist, do you see how this works? The difference... In the two conversations, I just think the dude is wrong. That's a far cry from Putin apologist. You're 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 Justin Trudeau. You have been a terrible, terrible authoritarian leader of Canada. You've been abusive to the people, demands and force and and freezing bank accounts and going after truckers. Anybody doesn't agree with you as a Putin apologist? No, I don't think that Tucker Carlson is a Putin apologist. Just don't. I don't even know what it would be an apologist for. The the whole thing is nutty because it isn't predicated on some idea of, of... Data, it's predicated on the idea of you don't agree with my foreign policy, so therefore you must be bad. As opposed to we disagree. This story, I, I think, is great. You should, you should, you should see the response that, that, that Carlson got. Just massive, massive stuff. But I said this is a story about Trump making sense. And and I should be clear, I don't think Trump always does. I have I have argued numerous times when he was president that if there's anything I hate out there, it is an unforced error. I cannot stand unforced errors. And I think Trump makes a fair number of them. 
drives me nuts. Always has. And very often it's when he's having conversations about person X or person Y or the news story is hurting somebody else, but it's not really about him, so he brings it back to him. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Unnecessary. Always drives me crazy. This isn't him. This is the RNC. The Republican National Committee is a ridiculous group of people. And whoever thought it was okay to put Rona McDaniel in charge and keep her in charge was wrong. I, I, I won't get into, into name-calling or, or pointing at anybody named Donald. I won't do it. I'm not going to do You might do that, but you're a terrible person, not me. Uh-uh. Good old Tony ain't going to make that happen. No how. The RNC, the Republican National Committee, which I guarantee you has done zero work to prepare for the 2024 election, to have the lawyers ready to go, to work on states and how they engage their election laws to ensure that they're fair and not allow this mass level of mail-in voting that creates the opportunity for fraud. I guarantee you that the RNC has done nothing on nothing to prepare for 2024. Well, Tony, the left steals elections, so we need Trump, and then, and that's the way we're not going to have the election stolen. What has the RNC done? What has he done? What have, what have they done? Yeah. You want to argue that all elections are stolen, then you're not going to tell me what it is the RNC has done not to steal the election. But Trump is the only guy who can win the election, but we're not doing anything to ensure elections aren't stolen. Kitten... It ain't for me to figure out that mathematics. That's for you. You decide how that works. But this is where the RNC is, instead of focusing on an issue, I would agree, is pretty dang important. The RNC is reviewing a draft resolution that, and I, and I will, will, will read it to you, resolved that the Republican National Committee hereby declares President Trump as our presumptive 2024 nominee for the office of president of the United States, and from this moment forward moves into full general election mode, welcoming supporters of all candidates as valued members of Team Trump 2024. Now, this is in contrast to uh, Trump putting out the statement that if you supported Nikki Haley, you're, you're never welcome on Team MAGA, which was a ridiculous thing to say, a ridiculously foolhardy thing to say. Put it on Truth Social. Ridiculous. I don't know if he wrote it or one of his team wrote it. It was ridiculous. This statement says, hold my beer. This is insane. The RNC wants to forego the primary process Tell Nikki Haley to kiss off and just by declaration, not by the voter, Trump's the guy. Thank you very much. I noted in my show sheet, which you can get at TonyCats.com when you're a subscriber, you'll get it every Monday through Friday, that if you can support this, but you had an issue with Carrie Lake from Arizona being offered a bribe to get out of the race for Senate, then you need some time alone with your thoughts. What's the difference? Nothing. In one case, you got a you got a gig and you got some cash to get out of the race. In the other case, you don't get anything. We just push you out of the race. If you're okay with one and not the other, whoo, you got you got to have some alone time and, and figure out your issues. Now there's a counter argument. This is what the left does. It's total control of the party. That's how you got to do things.
total control of the party is exactly how Donna Brazile and Hillary Clinton showed Bernie Sanders the exit. Sorry, sucker. You got to go. This is mommy's time. I don't know if she referred to herself as mommy or if Donna Brazile referred to Hillary Clinton as mommy, but one could assume that a conversation like that happened. They just took it away from him. Sorry, not going to be you. Have a nice day. That's what they do. That's the level of control and power Democrats have. That's not usually a Republican way. Yet here's the Republican saying, let's end this, rally around Trump, move on. Enter the president of the United States, the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. Hello. Hey, sir, was just talking about you. He puts out a statement on Truth Social that says, uh, we shouldn't do this. Quote, while I greatly appreciate the Republican National Committee wanting to make me their presumptive nominee, and while they have far more votes than necessary to do it, I feel for the sake of party unity that they should not go forward with this plan, but that I should do it the old-fashioned way and finish the process off at the ballot box. Thank you to the RNC for the respect and devotion you have shown me. Trump 2024. That's right. That's the only answer. The RNC is out of their minds. Out of their minds. For thinking they should be the decider. And not the people. That's crazy town. Now, Nikki Haley, what she's desperate for, never mind uh, just wanting to be relevant in general, she's desperate to get Trump in a debate. And and, and her, her answer, her response, her, her, her theory is that if you really, really want to test your acuity, you'll uh, you'll debate me. I'm going to get into that story in in a little bit. But back to 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 Trump and the RNC. What is the the rush? What's the purpose of making the statement? Well, Tony, it's over, and you'd save a lot of money this way. Maybe. You'd save some money this way. Maybe you would. Maybe you want to keep more of that money to go up against Joe Biden. I keep trying to tell you you're not going up against Joe Biden. And I have no idea if anybody's actually preparing for that. What this smacks of is this thing that the, the, the political left keeps saying. That people are afraid of Trump. Uh, and and they don't want to get in his way, and they just appease him. Um, this is not. This is not, the kind of thing, that makes one think that the Republican Party today, has. Got it all together. It, it, it's it's the kind of thing that 
as a conservative who aligns and votes with the Republican Party, but I have voted a libertarian before. I have never voted Democrat. Um, what What is it that you want? I only want the people to figure this one out. I only want the people to decide it. Because if you could do this, why didn't we do this, you know, three months ago and just give it to Ron DeSantis? I still think he's an easier lift. In a general, I know some of you don't. Please leave your phone calls for others. I'm not listening anyway. <laughs> you can email me, though. I do read emails. But some of the messages I get, oh, guys, with, I get passion, but dear Lord, the lecturing. <laughs> but wouldn't, wouldn't that be the same thing? You would not have accepted that. You would not have wanted that. You would not have allowed that. Why do it? There, there is an issue at play with, with the Republican Party involving just a, a lack of willingness to be rational. I find it to be a problem because there is no need for this. There is a great need to focus on how you're going to stop any shenanigans. And where is the move on that? Shouldn't that be your focus? The people will figure out the nominee. You make sure that the vote is safe so the nominee can actually get the votes. That I have to explain this? That we have to question this? Makes me think we're in for a hell of an election. I'm Tony Katz and this is Tony Katz Today. Joe Biden at the brewery is just his desire to be a caricature is overwhelming. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. You already know that trying to figure out what Joe Biden is saying in any given moment is extremely difficult to do. Extremely difficult. Does he know where he's at? Does he know the subject at hand? And then just the presentation, whether it's the slurring or the stumbling, the mispronunciations to the point of questioning his mental state. I mean, it's it's become now fodder, and, and that's a real problem because if we laugh it off, we forget how serious it is. But when this happens in front of a brewery, well, then, my God, it's just, it's just gold, people. Harris-Biden administration. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the gold. You know the, you know the thing. Say what? The beer is behind him. And there he is in all his Joe Biden glory, sounding like this. The beer brewed here, it is used to make the brew beer. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why. 
I have no idea. Neither do you. Neither does he. Neither does anybody. I don't know what anybody's laughing at. They don't know what he said. Nobody knows what he said. And then he starts talking about Tammy Baldwin and Senator Klobuchar and Tina Smith. And he gets to whispering again. And thanks to the outstanding senators, Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin. Tammy's and Amy Klobuchar and Tina Smith from the state of Minnesota. If I have all three of them on my side, I don't worry about anything. Okay. Don't you worry that Amy Klobuchar might throw a stapler at you? And I swear, uh, Tammy Baldwin might might be the only one who looks at Joe Biden and goes, that's an intellectual. <laughs> that's a good Tammy Baldwin joke. I apologize for nothing. <laughs> and then, whilst he's still there, Brewery Biden, oh, he's got the data, people. 14 million new jobs since I became president. 169 new jobs in Wisconsin. Hold on, hold on. I, I gotta, I gotta do that math uh, really quick. Can you give me those numbers again, sir? 14 million new jobs since I became president. 169 new jobs in Wisconsin. So 14 million new jobs, but only 169 of them. In Wisconsin, so 169, 169 divided by 14 million, right? Is that the is that the way I would do it? Point zero 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 one two zero seven. My gosh, with odds like that, you're going to make it into the Hall of Fame in no time. First, he didn't create 14 million jobs. Secondly, one uh, tenth, hundred thousand, tenth, that one one hundred thousandth of those jobs. Do I have that right? It would be in in Wisconsin. Why do you hate Wisconsin so much? Clearly, you enjoyed their beer. Why do you hate them so much? That is just that is just wrong. None of this makes him look good. None of this makes Biden look like a guy who's of the people or, um, you know, spry with it. You know, we go back to the, those those numbers and his his approvals thirty three percent. Um, this doesn't make it go to thirty four percent. This is why there, there's nothing to approve of. As a person, you got to start accepting the fact if you're on the left that the approval is has nothing to do with policy. It's the guy. The guy, as a person, is not what the people accept, is not what the people approve of. And I'll say it again for those of us in the cheap seats. He's going to be replaced. So now I ask, the RNC, which wants to hand Trump the nomination before the primaries. Are you focused on that? No, I didn't think so. Start keeping an eye on the failure of the RNC. Because if, no, if anyone knows how to fail, it's them.
So the Pacers are going to send somebody to the All-Star game, which is good because Indianapolis is hosting the All-Star game. And as for those Pacers, you lose to the Nuggets, you beat the 76ers. Again, I don't know what this team is. And is Siakam going to be the difference maker? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. JMV joins us from 93.5-1075 The Fan. He is the voice of sports in Indiana. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton making uh, uh, the, the all-star team there. Uh, th- this is great for the all-star game because the hometown crowd's going to want to see it uh, for sure. But for the Pacers, you got to feel like, okay, maybe we do actually have something here. I assume one guy getting on the team makes the whole team feel better. No, there's no question about that because we, we've talked about this before. You could make a legitimate argument throughout the landscape of the NBA that nobody is more valuable to their team in terms of winning and losing than Tyrese Halliburton is to the Pacers. And, uh, again, you, you look at Embiid last night, you look at Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown with Boston, uh, Giannis in Milwaukee, and, you know, you see these guys as elite-level players, there's no doubt. But in terms of helping his team win – helping better everybody around him. That's exactly what he does, and that, that's such a missing piece without him, and that's what made last night and that went over Philly even more impressive. Not only that, but you, know, you get Joel Embiid coming off a 70-point effort against San Antonio. You know, he scored, what, 31 last night? That is, um, you know, People are going to go, wow, you know what? A lot of defense right there. Still scored over 30, but that was a huge win for them defensively against him, for Miles Turner defensively against him, who has not fared well in the past, and just a much-needed win in general for the Pacers as they try to navigate this rough patch without, again, the most valuable player to his team around the NBA. That's who Tyrese Halliburton is to them. But is that what we're is, is that the total blame? Let me give you the last couple games, and this time I got the, the, the schedule right here. You lose to the Jazz on the 15th. You beat the Kings on the 18th. You lose to the Trailblazers on the 19th. You lose to the Suns on the 21st. You lose to the Nuggets on the 23rd. You beat the 76ers on the 25th. You'll face the Suns again uh, tonight. Is that all Halliburton? It is a large part of Halliburton, and here's why. But people do, and you bring this up smartly, do confuse things. Because people want to point to, well... They just can't guard anybody. Or, you know, like you know, MB last night, have they lost that? Or, you know, with Jokic, for example, Tony, going back to Tuesday with the defending champions in town, Jokic and Murray, uh, it's their defense. It's not their defense. This team is a big, fat, donut hole over when they don't score 110 or better. When they get up into the 130s, they are unbeaten. So this team had been struggling because those two games we're talking about, and really even going back to last Friday night, in Portland, when Halliburton played and probably shouldn't have played, you're not getting the offense. You're not getting near at those moments near the 125 average that they put up per game. That's where their problem is. Their defense, Tony, is actually getting better. You can run the numbers. Their defense collectively is getting better. Their offense was sputtering and slacking, and we saw that get back into gear last night. That is most important in terms of winning to this Pacer team. Talking to JMV, he's the voice of sports in Indiana, and clearly I have a problem with my headphones because you just said that the Pacers' defense is getting better, and I'm looking 
at uh, the scores here, and there is never a moment that a team is not scoring at least 110 on the Pacers. So tell me more about their defense getting better without <laughs> laughing. Tony, it is, man. That, that is. I mean, better under their circumstances, right? Better than what they had been. And we've talked about this. There is no magic elixir here that all of a sudden you're going to down and then come out and be, you know, the, the 1995 Knicks or pay, play 1995-level NBA ball and hold a team under 100. It's just not going to happen. Offenses now are very good, really too good, and then the rules are also kind of lean to help the offense out more, just like in the NFL, than it is anything else. And the defense already playing behind the eight ball, so you're not you're not going to magically be transformed into this great defensive team. But what you had to do, Tony, is you had to take baby steps. You had to get better slowly but surely, and then you can't afford to lose any amount of your offensive night in and night out output. It is, in terms of the, of the uh, Pacers right now, the best defense is a great offense. You can still get better, and they have been game to game, holding down those averages. And we may laugh. You're talking about, you know, 117 or whatever in the 110s, but if you're putting up 125 per game, that is good, and that's better than giving up around about 25 and then having to fight for your life you know, to try to end the game. And I'll give you another aspect of this, Tony, that you can watch for and report back to me. We'll talk about this later on in the season. You want me to it report back to you? Yeah, no, yeah, report back to me and then and see what you think and see if I'm right about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of putting myself on your report card to watch, if that's okay. That's so right. watch in-game situations with the Pacers. In-game situations where, all right, so the opposition's put up 120, but are they getting late-game stops? That's something else during that losing skid that they weren't getting. They weren't getting late-game stops. They weren't getting late-game stops against Denver. We certainly didn't see that with Brogdon and Jeremy Grant going back to last week in Portland. Didn't see that late. Buddy Hill was so good in Phoenix last Sunday. But, man, they worked him over from Durant to Booker to Beal on the offensive end, on the Phoenix offensive end, because the Pacers could not get late-game stops. Oftentimes – Oftentimes you can't, you can get away with having a so-so to not even so-so defense if you get those late game stops. And this is magnified with how this base are being built and how it plays now. Talking to JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana, fixed his uh, connection right there. Let's move it over to the NFL. First, let's talk Jim Harbaugh. The new coach of the Los Angeles Chargers leaving the University uh, uh, of Michigan uh, the, the the knock is a a little cuckoo and and B look how far he'll try and bend things in order to get what he wants. You know, people will talk about that and, you know, say, look at how he, he violated rules here, violated rules there. But Michigan gets a championship and nothing else matters. Uh, is this exactly what the Chargers need? Well, yeah, there's no question about that, too. And he's going to get them on the board. They already have a ready made quarterback, Tony. They have, positionally speaking, what you need to to be a high level team in the NFL right there. You got the quarterback, you got the wide receiver, you got edge rushers, you got guys in the secondary that are playmakers. I mean, you have already ready made. You add Jim Harbaugh to that. Jim Harbaugh will get this thing going sooner rather than later. The question always is, as we saw at Michigan, as we have seen prior with Jim Harbaugh, I guess he was ten years in San Fran, so 
you know, maybe this doesn't necessarily apply. It does seem like that he has a shelf life. He has a shelf life, obviously, in Michigan for a variety of reasons. He's had a shelf life in the past for maybe not completely getting along with those that are making the decisions above him, a general manager, an owner, whatsoever. But this is a perfect situation for him, too. And I'm going to be interested because in Southern California, if there's something that people don't give a crap about, it's the Chargers. And we'll see if all of a sudden that changes up at SoFi, if he gets everybody inspired, gets them back on the winning track, and that's what I fully expect. Shelf life, not too long, but winning normally doesn't take very long either when Jim Harbaugh is the head coach, and it will not with the Chargers either. Is Harbaugh – I I don't know how to ask this question, Wells, but forgive me. Harbaugh's style is different than, let's say, a Dan Campbell style in Detroit. Dan Campbell is the kind of just hard-edged, uh, uh, down-to-the-core football guy you want. Harbaugh comes across as a guy who's a little bit nutty. And I think there, the, that difference, it leads to the question of, is Harbaugh good for the NFL? I think he's great for the NFL. I do. Here's one of the reasons, too. You talk about Dan Campbell and Harbaugh. They both actually played. They played, and that gets a running start when you're preaching stuff to guys that may be sick and tired of hearing it right in that locker room. They, they take it probably more so than they would somebody that had not played the game. So they've got that. And then wherever Harbaugh's been, he's had a great deal of success. And wherever he's been, he's made guys. I mean, look, for example, what he did with Colin Kaepernick. Look what he did as a quarterback in San Francisco there, and look how that thing fell off after that with Kaepernick. I mean, he's a guy that can just inspire, and especially with that quarterback. And that's what I talked about with the Chargers. He's got a really good quarterback that I would bet would now move to elite-level quarterback just by virtue of being around Jim Harbaugh. That's what he does. Now, he'll wear people out. He'll wear everybody out. Don't get me wrong about that. But he will inspire. He will raise Barr and Justin Herbert, and that team will be much better. Now, I don't know how deep they'll go in the postseason next year. They'll get to the postseason next year, unlike this year. But in a couple of years, I would bet they're going to be challenging for a Super Bowl. It's not going to take very long. Let's move it over to who's going to challenge for a Super Bowl this year. The Chiefs versus the Ravens in Baltimore. The Lions versus the 49ers. In uh, San Francisco, let's start with that Chiefs-Ravens game. Man, the Bills are cursed. It is very, very obvious. And the Ravens look unstoppable. And against uh, the Texans, that seemed very obvious, too. Where's your bet here? Um, Well, San Francisco, I'll start right there. The only, really, the only thing I have with the Niners is the health of Debo Samuel. Because unlike a lot of teams where the gauge as their quarterback, and you can make an argument that Brock Purdy comes out there and throws interceptions, whatever, they'll lose. But the real true gauge between that that being a great team and uh, being a so-so team that can be beaten at home by Detroit is the health of Debo Samuel. So that's something we'll watch over the course of the weekend. But I still like the Niners in that case, especially with their defense and even with a mixed-in a little bit of offense against the Lions in that secondary. And I just, I don't know, man. It just kind of feels like it's Lamar Jackson's to me, Tone. I mean, it really does. Kansas City's really good. They've proven, as you mentioned, in Buffalo, they can get this done now on the road. 
Got a lot going for him. Patrick Mahomes, no doubt about that. But this just kind of feels like this is Lamar Jackson's time. There's always been that conversation about, hey, this guy is dynamic, but he never wins in the postseason. He never gets them to where he needs to get them, and he's always going to fall short. It just seems like, Tony, that this is the time for Lamar Jackson to prove all those doubters and then to hand all those that have been critical a big bunch of crow to eat because I think this is going to be his moment, Baltimore wins or Super Bowl, San Fran and the Ravens, which, by the way, we have seen before with the two Harbaugh's when the lights went out. Now, I, 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 my take on this is solely emotional, and, and, and sure. it's a terrible way to, to go about it. First of all, Debo Samuel, uh, uh, wide receiver, did uh, practice Thursday. Right, he did show up for practice yeah. Thursday, so uh, one has to assume that unless he's on a gurney somewhere, he's going to play in this game against the Lions, even if he's a decoy. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, do I think he's going to miss it? No. I, I just, to me, he's been the gauge for that team. I mean, he is. And you, you take his normal offensive output away in any capacity, that will even – the common ground areas between those two teams even more. I don't think it's going to be enough, again, to turn the tide, for example, away from San Fran, but it's certainly something significant to watch, even if he does play, how active he is, how productive, important he is in the grand scheme of things, trying to deal with that injury. But I, I, there's no doubt that I would pull for the Lions uh, over the 49ers. I just, th- this, this Cinderella thing, you know, the idea that even this is coming for the Lions a year too early. Uh, they, that maybe next year you would have thought them in this position uh, and certainly pulling for the Ravens over the Chiefs because nobody wants to see Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey anymore. We're done. Well, Thank you very much. <laughs> Please make this stop. I Yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from on that because it's funny. You go from a team that, oh, it's so fun to watch, look at him get up and down the field. To, Man, I wish everybody would shut up about talking about him. I'm sick of this. We all know. You know, these outside, these global entertainment circumstances also have taken over game to game, too. So that would have a tendency to wear people out. I just think Lamar Jackson, this is going to be his time. And you have to question, I think, too, Tony, don't you? That if it's not Lamar Jackson's time, then when is going to be a better time? It just seems like this is his moment. And I think, I think San Francisco is going to be a little bit better than Detroit in this. And, again, you're going to get a, a rematch of a, a prior Super Bowl just with uh, a different coach and another Harbaugh still involved, too. But, hey, by the way, you mentioned this. The other thing about Detroit, you know, you say, well, maybe you're ahead of schedule. Just think about Philadelphia. Philadelphia, everybody thought, man, you know what, they're ahead of schedule. Look at them. Here they go. And, you know, they're nowhere to be found right now. They got, you know, all their coordinators poached, one of which the offensive coordinator in Indy, Jonathan Gannon, in, in Arizona, kind of wonder if, you know, maybe the Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Lions, gets poached by one of these remaining teams that needs a head coach here. So things in that moment can drastically change. That's why you have to take advantage of that moment when it's happening. We'll see if the Lions can do that on the road. JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana. I appreciate you taking the time. Tony Katz, this is Tony Katz today. Be right back. Donald Trump got out there and just threw a temper tantrum. He pitched. 
finished a fit. He was he was insulting. He was doing what he does. But I know that's what he does when he's insecure. I know that's what he does when he is threatened, and he should feel threatened without a doubt. It also goes back to why I've continued to push for mental competency tests for anyone over the age of 75. take one and he'd challenge me to one and that he would beat me. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But what I said is, okay, well if that's the case, then get on a debate stage and let's go. Bring it, Donald. Show me what you got. Bring it. This is this is where we are now in the in the campaign. We're in the bring it segment of the primaries. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, there is no situation I can see where Donald Trump is on a debate stage with Nikki Haley. I I don't see it because for that to happen, Trump has to lose somewhere, which means Nikki Haley has to be able to last for that to happen. If she should stick around through Super Tuesday and they split the Super Tuesday states, quite literally an equal split, then we can have a conversation. But that is such an insane road. So let's say this. She has to win South Carolina for Trump to get on a debate stage. And the numbers don't show that. They do not. Trump's still ahead by 30 points. So I don't think we're going to get our wish. Or her, she's not going to get her wish. Competency tests for everybody running for president? Oh, that's a dream everybody has. This is Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com.